deliver the lesson. Jim Haney has the reading and prayer, and then Chad Judge has the uh, closing prayer. First song today, uh, this afternoon, is number 154, Give Me the Bible. We're going to sing verses 1, 2, and 4. If you will, uh, if it's convenient for you, please stand and sing out. Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming to cheer the Song number 788. 788. <clears throat> All three verses. After this song, Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see.
The scripture reading will be from 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, we thank you that you have given us everything. For Father, we know that without you we would have nothing. We thank you, Father, for your love. We thank you, Father, for your Son, Jesus, and the death upon the cross, and through the shedding of his blood, that we have forgiveness of our sins. At this time, we pray that you will forgive us of anything and everything that we have said that is contrary to your word. Father, we just pray that you will be with each and every one of us here in this congregation. Father, we just have so many sick on our prayer list, and we just, you know who each and every one of those are. You know their needs. Father, we just pray that you reach out and touch and bless each and every one. Father, we pray for our elders of the congregation. We just pray that you give them the wisdom and the knowledge and that they will fulfill your word to the extent and just be a strength to this congregation and help it to grow be with our deacons as they work and just give them strength and bless their families and just help them father we just pray that you will be with our country and and this world and the shape that it's in father just the violence and the hatred and things that are just taking place throughout this world help us father as christians to do our part and reaching out and spreading your word and teaching others. And, Father, that we can just help bring other souls to you and we can be an influence to helping this world to be a better place to live. Pray that you be with us through this service, through each day of our lives, Father, and help us to be the examples we need to be. When you are finished with us on this earth, we pray for a peaceful hour in which to depart. And we pray that you give us that home in heaven with you. We'll be praying in Christ's name. And amen. If you are using a book, you might mark uh, 67, number 67, as our song of invitation. And then the song before the lesson uh, that Chris will deliver is number five, 253, 253. And ask you to stand again if it's convenient. How shall the young secure their hearts? <clears throat> How shall the young secure their hearts and guard their lives from sin? Thy word of choice has proved them hard to
Good evening. I hope you all got enough to eat and are ready to study again. Uh, today we are closing out our series on worship. And so uh, we've been thinking about, thinking through the five acts of worship over the last couple of weeks. And today we're closing out with uh, the final act of worship, preaching. And uh, often we think of, uh, I guess, preaching as more of an impartation, like I'm imparting truth, imparting knowledge, uh, at least at the very minimum So what do we mean when we call preaching an act of worship? That's, that's something that we've become accustomed to uh, over the years. We've, we think in those terms, don't we? We hear you know, the five acts of worship. We go singing, praying, Lord's Supper, preaching. We, th- we think in those terms, but often we don't think of really what preaching is. And so I wanted to spend a couple of minutes today helping us think through the ramifications of preaching as worship. So, I wanted to start off with this thought. There was, in the ancient world, a sermon that changed everyone's lives here. And just to show you the strength, the power that sermons have, that they're capable of. And you're familiar with this this sermon. I know you've read it, I know you've heard of it, uh, and I know it impacts your life. And The audience there was, was quite small on this day, uh, but they were uniquely enamored with the lesson the, the message that was being preached to them. The preacher was eloquent, uh, though short-spoken. Uh, and so he didn't say very many words, but what he said was very thoughtful. And he had spent a lot of time crafting his lesson. He was a very wise speaker. And so he spent a great deal of time crafting his lesson so that it, it really drove his point home. And his topic, of course, was how can you know God, which is the best topic possible, right? And so um, he starts teaching through this, this lesson. And it, again, it's very short, but his listeners are paying very, very close attention. And so when he says, did God really say you shall not surely die? The preacher knew that he had his audience. We don't normally think of that as a sermon, but it was, wasn't it? He was all about teaching them about God. He had just missed the point. He was trying to teach them about God, but had didn't really have a very good grasp on them himself. And so the things that he said were not true, but it was a sermon nonetheless. Words have that kind of power, don't they? We've talked about that in the past uh, during our our lesson on Proverbs. We've talked a little bit about words and the power that they have, but when we speak God's words, they have unique power. They have unfathomable power. And that's the power that we tap into as we come to worship and think through worship as preaching. My responsibility is to bring you into God's throne room and help you to see him there enthroned in majesty and all the power and the glory and the majesty that's his. That's my responsibility to try to bring you into that. But I'm learning right alongside of you. I'm just learning 
trying to get you somewhere that I've already been. And so Monday through Saturday, I try to get to that point so that I can drag you along with me into God's presence there to worship and to learn more about him. It has to be preaching, has to be more than just imparting information. We're trying to see God during our time together. And I think that is a powerful reversal of thinking. Exactly what Satan did there in the garden. He reversed their thinking, didn't he? God had imparted the information to them already. Don't, don't look at the tree. Don't, don't eat the tree. Don't eat from the, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. You stay away from that. And they had, they had understood it, but then Satan construed their thinking. He perverted their thinking. He twisted their thinking. And so we're trying to twist it back now. And that's what every lesson is really about, is to take what Satan has twisted in our world and to show us how God has really, what God has really said on the matter. And so that's what we attempt to do during each lesson. Flip over to Galatians 3. This is a passage that Paul writes to the churches that are in the region known as Galatia. He's, he's founded these congregations. He's now left them. He's coming, or he's writing back to these folks, and they are, they're struggling. Um, they're buying into some other doctrine other than the one that Paul taught them. And, of course, you, you're familiar with this section. He's, he's going to say, don't, don't, don't buy into that. If someone, even an angel from heaven, comes teaching you a different gospel than the one I taught you, you don't listen to them. In fact, you, they're, they're supposed to be accursed. So he says, don't, don't buy into this. But I, I think he says something here about preaching that I think we need to understand. Because when we come to worship, we prepare for, for singing, don't we? We prepare our hearts to sing. We talked about that during the series, uh, during the section of, of this series on singing. We, we, we prepare our hearts and our minds for, for prayer. We prepare, obviously, for the Lord's Supper. Maybe that's the one that we, we focus more on, to the exclusion, possibly, uh, of the others on, on occasion, to our detriment. Uh, but we prepare our minds for, for the Lord's Supper because of Paul's comments in 1 Corinthians 14 there about looking deeply into yourself. And so we're accustomed to that. But we don't always come to worship ready to worship as we listen to a lesson. And I'm the exact same way. I'm preaching to myself as well as to you. But I want us to think differently about preaching. It's not just information. It's got to be more than that. YouTube is just information, right? Uh, TED Talks are just information. We are encountering God when we read the Bible. And so as we teach through Scripture, we encounter Him. Um, and and it's, it's got to be more. We have to approach it as more than just imparting information. When you sit back and you watch a YouTube video trying to learn something, uh, maybe you pay pretty close attention, right? Uh, maybe you're, you're focused in on learning something, but that's just information. You're not, you're, you're not encountering the God of the universe here. In this book, we encounter Him, 
and it deserves every bit of focus that we can give it. So, Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, he says something interesting there, a couple things. But one thing that I really want to focus in on is this publicly portrayed. Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified to the Galatians. Now, what's the problem with that, with that thought? Jesus wasn't crucified in Galatia, was he? If you can bring the map up in your head, I don't have one on the screen for you, that's my fault, but if you can bring the map up in your head, Galatia is nowhere near Jerusalem. Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem, and the Galatians were, they weren't there. Hmm. So, so what's going on here? How, how can Paul legitimately say, you Galatians have seen Jesus as publicly portrayed as crucified when they weren't there on that day? interesting question, right? Stop and think about that for a minute. How can he say that? In what manner and what has been done so that they can so that they could have seen Jesus as crucified in front of them? Because they weren't physically there. But they've so listened to Paul's preaching about Jesus being crucified that it's as if they were there. That's the power a sermon can have. These guys, looking back on it decades later, to the Galatians, Paul can say, it's as if you were there on that day when Jesus was crucified because I told you about it, and I told you all the ramifications of it. It's as if you were really there. That's the power a sermon can have. And that's one of the things that Paul is focused on. Flip back over to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. This is something that, uh, this is his way of dealing with preaching. This is, who, this is what he does. Um, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, Paul says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the way I preach. In Corinth, when I go preach to you guys, I preach Jesus and him crucified. And I want you to be able to see it as if you were there. See it. I want to walk you through all the ramifications, all the things that it means that he was crucified. How, how was it? And look at all the love that God had because uh, uh, for, for sending his son to be crucified for us. Look at all that. And now... That same Jesus demands something from you. In fact, he demands everything from you. And are you willing to give it to him? Because if you're not, there's going to be condemnation. But if you are, there's so many blessings. And Paul would, would walk people through that. Interestingly enough, to the Galatian church, he says essentially the same thing. That's exactly what he's done for them. He knew nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So much so that he could look back at them and say, it's, it, you've essentially seen Jesus Christ crucified. It's like you were there on the day in Jeru- outside of Jerusalem where he was crucified. That's the power that a lesson can have. And that's 
one of the things that we should be thinking through as we come to worship, as we engage with the lesson. That's one of the things that we should be bringing to it. It demands everything from me as the speaker, but also from you as the listener, because these are not my words. Thankfully, these are not my words. I get to hide behind the cross. And so when I say hard things up here, it's not me that's saying them, it's him. And so if you don't like them, you can be mad at me, but you're ultimately mad at him. When I say good things, when I say encouraging things, it's not me saying them, it's him. So ultimately, whatever I think, whatever I say, doesn't really matter. Not all that smart, not all that gifted. Certainly not as, not as much as many of you or, or as much as any of you. So my words aren't really worth listening to all the way up until the point that I start speaking his words. His words are worth dying for. His words are worth focusing for. His words are worth everything. That's what we come in contact with when we hear preaching. When we hear biblical preaching. Sometimes preaching is not always biblical. But when we hear biblical preaching... We're interacting with God. We're connecting with Him. And that is, that's worship. It's not just my words. It's not my words. It's His words. So, I think we've got a couple of strategies for engaging with the sermon more effectively. And again, these are as much to me as they are to you. So, three ways that we can engage with the sermon so that we can see Christ crucified every time, whether it's a good lesson or a bad lesson. I know some lessons connect with some people and some of them just don't at all. And there are some lessons where I think, well, that was just really awful. <laughs> there are occasions when uh, I step down and think, oh, I just didn't, I just, that didn't go the way I thought it was. I couldn't keep my mind on track. I couldn't organize my thoughts well. And I'll get down and somebody will say, well, that, that just really hit home for me. That was, that was exactly what I needed to hear. And think, huh, that's, that's God. And then there are other times when uh, I feel like every single thing was said right. I felt like it was right on cue. Every bit of it. And nothing. <laughs> no, no life change from anyone. No, no, no nothing. And I think, well, this is my view. doesn't really matter. It's his words. And that's what he uses our time together in the lesson to do is to encounter, encounter him. Just like Isaiah does in Isaiah 6, just like John does in the book of Revelation, they are transported into God's throne room. And that's what we try to do in these lessons is to get us to, to see him and to get us to unravel the things that our world has so twisted and so perverted with Scripture. Because a lot of times we don't look at the world like he looks at the world. A lot of times we don't look at our culture like he looks at it. Like marriage, for example. Today, this morning we talked about marriage. And he doesn't look at marriage like we look at it. To us, it's, very, it's a frivolous thing. that You can go to Las Vegas and get married in an hour and be divorced in the next hour. And nobody's the wiser, but God is. He is the wiser and he cares about those kinds of things. And so this is an opportunity for us to commune 
with him, to see him. And that transforms us. Words have power. His words have unfathomable power. They are designed and have the power to transform us. Maybe you've heard motivational speakers and left thinking, wow, that was really a good, uh, I feel so much better now. I feel empowered. I feel ready to go out and, and take the world on. And that's just some guy's words, right? There's power there, like there's power in all words. But when we come in contact with God's words, they deserve a special amount of focus. That's the opportunity we have right now during our time together during the lesson, we encounter him and allow his words to transform us. Because they can, and they will, and they should. And if they're not, we're not doing our part. Because he's going to be faithful to hold up his end of the deal. He wants to transform us. In fact, that's part of the deal. You can't come to him as you are. You have to come to him as he wants you to. And that's only through the blood of his son. That only happens through the preaching. And so we have a unique opportunity during our time together. Not because I'm anything special, but because he is special. And because we're talking about his words and his thoughts. And so we need to put in some time as we think through how to engage with the sermon in the best way possible. Here's some thoughts. We need to cultivate a high view of preaching. You need to believe that when you hear the Word of God preached, it's not just the preacher speaking, but you're hearing God speaking. If you're standing behind the pulpit sharing God's Word with the congregation, my job is to transport you into God's throne room and allow you to hear His voice and what He demands from us. That's what we're saying when we say we have a high view of preaching. If you do that, if you have a high view of preaching, the very next step is, is almost automatic, isn't it? It's, all, it's common sense, but you commit to, to active listening. And so whatever that looks like for you, uh, maybe, maybe you're taking notes. I've noticed some of you uh, during some of these lessons taking notes and, and nodding and writing down highlighters and all that kind of stuff. I think that's great, and I try to point out some of those things where you want to highlight the text or bring attention to certain bits of the text. I think that's logical because, again, this is his words that we're dealing with, and you're not going to be able to unpack them all in 30 minutes. We try to fit... Um, our thoughts into 30-minute segments, but there's some occasions, a great many occasions, where you can't even barely scratch the surface of what he's trying to talk about in 30 minutes. And so you need to go back on your own and work through some of those thoughts on your own. Um, and so we commit to, to active listening. Uh, we need to be dragging our lives through the coals as we listen to these, these passages, these verses, um, thinking... Does that, is that me? Is my attitude in line with that section of Scripture? Often, we take more of the passive role in listening, right? And we sit there and we just kind of think through, like, oh, okay. And I see what he's saying, and I'll flip to the verses and all that kind of stuff. But really, as we interact with God, we need to be thinking, is that me? Is he, is he 
Is he castigating something that I would be okay doing? Um, is he condemning an attitude that I have? Um, is he proclaiming as good a, uh, an action that I don't often do? That's active listening. And so we need to be taking some time of self-reflection during the lesson. So we need to commit to active listening. Um, we need to participate with our whole body. I think that's the, the third and final component of, uh, of at least for today, the, the ways that we can engage with the sermon effectively to really see Jesus as crucified in every lesson, to take something away, to, to pull it apart and to engage with it in, in helpful ways. Uh, we need to have a high view of preaching. These are his words. It's not my words. It's not David's words. It's not the guy that's doing the Wednesday evening devotional. It's not our words. They're just speaking for God. Forth-telling um, his words. So we have a high view of preaching. We, we commit to act, active listening. What does this mean to me? How is this transforming me? If God were to tell me this, how would I react? Because he is. Sometimes whoever is proclaiming gets in the way. We think, oh, it's him just telling me. It's not. It's, it's the word. It's God that's telling me those things. So the final component here is participate with your whole body. Um, maybe that means you're leaning in. Um, maybe that means you're taking notes. Uh, I, I don't know what that means for you, but participate with your whole body. I think it's, uh, I think it's fu funny. Um, Jonathan Edwards, you guys familiar with Jonathan Edwards? He was a Puritan preacher back in the 1700s, uh, widely recognized as the best American preacher to ever grace a, a pulpit in America. Um, you may be more familiar with his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You've probably heard of that, right? Uh, if you're not familiar with Jonathan Edwards' name. Um, and so that sermon in and of itself, most people, most scholars that study preaching, I would view that as the most riveting sermon to ever have been preached. It's been read, it's been published, and there's still books out there where you can go read that, um, that sermon. And just kind of fantastic. And so, um, but he, later on in his life, said this during one of his sermons. He said, Persons should avoid laying down their bodies in their seats in the midst of public worship. Kind of makes me feel good. The most riveting preacher to ever grace a pulpit said, hey, stop sleeping in the sermons because this is God speaking to you, not me. That's kind of fun, right? Uh, I think that's interesting that, that he had to say that. But whatever, whatever it takes for you to engage physically with the lesson, we need to be doing that. Um, whether that's, that's notes or whatever that looks like for you, uh, leaning forward or whatever that looks like. We need to be participating with our whole body as we try to make the sermon apply to, to us. Um, Paul really believed that words create worlds. And you believe that too, don't you? Flip back over to Genesis. Let me show you some power here that words have. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. You believe that. I believe that. God spoke words. 
and literal worlds were created. Words have incredible power. His words hold more power than any other words out there. Hebrews chapter 1, <coughs> verse 3. He says, he is the radiance. He's speaking of Jesus here. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He says everything's held together by Jesus' words. It's interesting, right? In John chapter 1, Jesus is talked about as the logos, literally the word. And that's how most of our translations have it translated there in John 1. And the word was God, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He talks about him as the, the word. Words have power, right? Words can create worlds. In fact, Jesus holds everything together with the power of his words. And Paul really believes what he says in Galatians 3, 1 and 2. He obviously thinks that preaching has the power to show you Jesus Christ crucified and that these words have the power to transform your life. They make a difference, no matter who's saying them. If you agree or disagree, it doesn't really matter. If you like the speaker, don't like the speaker, it doesn't really matter. It's are you willing to listen to the Lord? And so that's what we try to do in, these, in, in this, this lessons. That's why preaching is worship, because we encounter a righteous and holy God who wants to know his people and wants his people to know him. And so he's gone out of his way to make that possible for us. He's given us his word. He's given us people that teach us his word. So we need to take advantage Take full advantage. And I think these three ways, I'm sure there's others, uh, but I think these are three good ways, good starter principles, uh, so that we can engage more effectively, so that we can get the most out of the lesson, out of the, out of the preaching. Because it's more than just imparting information. It's more than just how to live a good life. It's more than just how to have a good marriage. It's more than just doctrine. It's encountering God. And when we do that, we worship. At least we should. If we encounter God and we don't worship, what a travesty that would be. What an error that would be. How fatal that would be. And so this, more, uh, this evening, maybe you need to encounter him in the power of baptism. Maybe you need to have your sins washed away. If you're looking for that opportunity, we want to aid you in that in any way we can. Uh, if you're looking for salvation, I'd love to sit down and have a Bible study with you. Um, chances are you've most likely already done that. And maybe you just need the prayers of this congregation uh, to be riveted by Him. We're, we're not riveted by Him often like we should be, are we? It's easy to get distracted. And so if you're not riveted by Him this evening, won't you come as we stand and sing? Broken life, so far by sin, he will create anew, make whole again. Your empty, wasted years he will restore, and your iniquities remember no more. Bring him your
Nothing's changed. Uh, but a reminder, Bible class teachers needed for the next quarter, two and three-year-olds on Sunday morning. Uh, CYC registration is $70, and that ends today. December 7th is the Stepping Stones Supper, and December 15th is Holiday Cookie Exchange. Bring two dozen cookies and finger foods, and the mission team is asking for donations of wrapping paper, tape, gift boxes, gift tags. Remember Terry Egner, Terry Leap, Jennifer Baker, Steve Rowe, and Clinton in your prayers, and also remember the Stevens family. Is there any other announcements? If not, the Lord's Supper is still prepared in the conference room to my left, your right. We will have one more song, a closing word of prayer, and you can go ahead and go after as we start the closing song. Thank you. Sing 306 to 387. Lead me to some soul today. I like to close with this uh, song. It ought to be a feeling that all of us have. Take God's word to others. Lead me to some soul today, oh teach me Lord just what to Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to you now at the close of our worship. Thank you for this day that you've given us, this time that we've had together to, to worship you and to study your word and sing praises to you. Father, we thank you for all the many blessings that you've given us. We thank you for Chris and the lessons that he has presented to us today. Father, we do pray that for all the ones that were mentioned today, the ones that are sick and dealing with cancer, uh, dealing with the loss of loved ones, that you will continue to be with them and strengthen and wrap your loving arms around them. Father, we, we pray that you will go with us this week, that you will guide us and protect us, and that we will be a shining light to wherever we go this week, that people will see us, see us as your children. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us, and we especially thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.